0: First, I want to thank the Fata Four for your gift to us this morning. When we think about the amount of time, not just spent preparing for a service, but in preparing to do what they do so with such excellence, it's pretty overwhelming to think how much time that takes to be as, as gifted. And so, Lily, Sabrina... I know sometimes being you know, called up as part of that is is hard, but we appreciate you guys and the time you spend. We really do. You're a blessing to us. This morning we are in the book of Philippians chapter 3. We conclude our series on the victory of Christmas. And so if you want to turn in, in a Bible to Philippians chapter 3 verse 12, that would be very good. I have a prayer request I want to share before we get started. It was shared with me just a moment ago that Tracy Bowden, many of you know her, she and her husband Wayne and their family are long time members here at Harbor Shores Church. She's been battling a very difficult illness and an infection and uh, over the weekend has been in the emergency room and they've scheduled surgery for her on Tuesday. So I want to take a moment here as we begin our time together to pray for Tracy and for Wayne and pray for God's healing in their life as we begin um, turning our mind to the Word of God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you this morning because we know that because of you we can. Because of the work that you have done in opening a way to the throne room of heaven for those who are in Christ, we come to you and we call out to you as the one who is sovereign, who is good, who is all-powerful, who is all-loving and full of tender mercies, who is our healer and sustainer. And so we come to you on behalf of our dear sister, Tracy. And God, we pray for your healing in her life. And Lord, we know that there are many others here right now in this room and watching that are struggling as well with health issues. We, we cry out on behalf of them, but especially in this moment, we pray that you'd comfort Wayne, comfort Tracy, and give healing as only you can. Lord, we thank you for this assembly. We thank you for the body of Christ at Harbor Shores. How encouraging, how faithful, how persistent in their walk they have been. And God, may we encourage one another and so much the more as we look forward to the day of your return when all this stuff, this sickness and pain and death and destruction goes away forever. And we will forever be together together with one another in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Until then, may we press on. May we persist and strain forward towards the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. And may you get all the the glory. And may we find our full reward in you. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we have enjoyed a great Christmas time. I hope that you have. We come to the end We're here we are on New Year's Day singing Christmas carols. I love it. And it's how fitting that we, we close out this season with remembering why we've taken time off, why we've given gifts, why we've done all the things that we've done. And we remember it all under this year, under this theme of the victory of Christmas. You see, the victory of Christmas wasn't just... For that season, it's not just to bring you to Christ, but it's about so much more. And in this chapter, Paul addresses it. As Paul gets to the middle of this tiny little letter, this four-chapter letter, he in verse 1 of chapter 3, he makes a statement that might sort of bump up against wherever you are this morning. Maybe you're tired, maybe you're struggling in different ways, but he writes this in verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, some of you don't like to be told what to do. And when you're in a bad mood, you don't like to be told that. Just smile. Just just turn that frown upside down. Right? That's not what he's doing here. Matter of fact, this morning, you might had Paul written this to you right now. You would be like, Paul, get a grip. It's 2023. Have you not been paying attention? It's been a rough few years. All right? My gas bill is 50% to 100% more than it was a year ago. My grocery bill is insane. Right? Have And have you read the news? Have you seen what that even the life expectancy in the, in the United States of America is going down? I mean, my goodness. Are you paying attention to what's happening in our government with all the corruption and junk? Are you aware of what's happening in Ukraine, China, East Africa, and so many other places? And Paul, you have no idea the state of my marriage, my kids, my bank account, my job, my health. And you tell me to rejoice in the Lord. Now, that's a pretty pessimistic start to 2023, you might be saying. But that's where many of us are. But you know what? Poverty, death, sickness, destruction, war, corruption, all those things were around in Paul's day too. Right? It's nothing new under the sun. But Paul has the answer in in three little words at the end of verse 1, where he says, in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Not rejoice because of all this other stuff, but rejoice in the Lord. And then he goes on through the next few verses and he highlights where he doesn't rejoice. Maybe where he used to rejoice, but where he no longer rejoices. You see, Paul had a whole lot of religious stuff that he could stack up and say, you know, that's where I found my joy before. But now... In verse 8, we find that he counted it all just refuse. And he said, you know, that stuff, my past, is absolutely trash. It's just trash. In comparison with the, with knowing Jesus Christ. I'd rather get rid of all that and have just one thing. And that is knowing Jesus Christ. The only way that true, lasting, and fullness of joy is found is in pursuing that knowledge. Paul knew it, that knowledge of Jesus Christ. And not just knowledge, because we can be a people with our heads full about Jesus Christ. And we can be utter fools in how we live our lives. You see, knowledge of Christ, will true knowledge of Christ, will lead to fellowship with Christ. We will have an intimacy and knowledge of not just about him, but with him. And and we'll look a little bit more as we go into this, seeing how that that even through the trials of life, he reveals how more of who he is as we think in terms of his word. And his Holy Spirit applies that in the midst of a trial. And we go, oh, I get you just a little bit more. And we grow in that knowledge of God. True joy is found in Christ. And the beautiful thing is that access to that joy was purchased by Christ for all who believe. That's why we can say that the victory of Christmas continues in our joy. You see, he purchased for us the ability to know him, to come into fellowship with him where there is fullness of joy. And having done that, the victory of Christmas spills over and becomes our, not just temporary joy, but our eternal joy. See, Jesus Christ is the victor over sin, destruction, and shame. And Jesus Christ is also the reward won for us through that victory. It's not just that He won for us some random, abstract joy. No. He won for us Himself. If you will, he said, here's the victory and here's your reward. And it's all in the person of Jesus Christ. As we look forward to our eternal joy with him, we experience fullness of joy in him now as we seek him day by day. And we will look forward, as Paul alludes to at the end of this passage that that brother Rob read earlier, that we're going to have it completed and we will have none of the other stuff to go with it. So, why do we not experience this kind of joy? There's a lot of reasons. But we're going to look at some ways in which uh, that Paul shares that we can move towards a more fullness of joy. And, And so, first of all, to experience true joy in Christ, we need a renewed perspective of who we are, or you need a renewed perspective of who you are in Christ. We see this in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect. He sort of defines what he's talking about there. But I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul knew that he wasn't perfect that he hadn't arrived in fullness of maturity but there's something more he's not he's not trying to just point to that i think he's he's going to help us look back in a moment at something that's behind that perfection you see he didn't have a full knowledge of jesus and he didn't have a full reflection of jesus And full reflection of Jesus follows knowing Him and seeing Him for who He is and letting that pervade our lives into daily reflection of Jesus. That, and we're not gonna get there in this life, but we are gonna, the goal that He has for us is to make it His own. As Paul said Jesus Christ had made Him His own. So here's a question. In your spiritual walk this morning, as you just take a moment and think about where you are and where you have been over the last 365 days, how would you perceive your walk with Jesus? Is it one of apathy? Is it one of growth? Is it one of joy? Is it one of discouragement? Is it one of frustration? Where are you at right now? They say the New Year is a great time to consider, right, to have some introspection, right? It really isn't every day, right? What's really so different between December 31st and January 1? You know, if we need to change, we should probably be changing yesterday rather than just today, right? But the fact of the matter is we need to be considered. We need to consider it. Does your life, does my life, Stephen Schultz, reflect the calling that we have In Jesus Christ. I want to give you just a few tests. To sort of think through that. Okay. These are tests not that I came up with. But that scripture gives us. That we can evaluate where we are. In our walk with Christ. In our maturity in Christ. James 1. 2 through 4 says. Count it all joy. My brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith. Produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. That you may be perfect and complete right one and we'll grow towards that so one way to sort of check my my maturity is to say how do i respond when trials come my way well let me say i'm an infantile toddler if i'm (laughs) in many days i feel like i am i'm just a toddler when it comes to this because when trials come my way often i let them get me in a turmoil right i have some growth to do how about you how do you respond to those who persecute you? Romans 12, 1, 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. How do you do with that? How's your maturity? Are you pressing forward when those winds blow against you? Are you persisting on? Right? How's your maturity? How do you respond? And this is a little different one. To the praise of man. Proverbs seventeen or twenty-seven, twenty-one says, "The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold." And a man is tested by his praise. You see, when we hear praise from someone, does that is that 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 elevates your joy? That's what. You, oh yeah. How do you respond? Are you looking to others to find the joy? Otherwise, it's like, oh, nobody knows me. Nobody cares about me. Are you looking for praise? Sometimes the greatest test of your maturity is how do you respond when others praise you? There's a number of tests. The reality is this. None of us are fully mature. And in that, we sorrow, right? There is a sense of ever sorrowing, but always rejoicing. We sorrow in our shame. We sorrow in our fallenness. We know that this is reality. But we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. That's, I know, written about death and all, but we don't sorrow in our sin as those who have no hope, because we do have hope. We have a hope because there's a victory that has been purchased for us, that we can know Christ, and in knowing Christ, we, we can mature in these areas of life. You see, if you've not begun to grow in the knowledge and fellowship of Jesus Christ, then... That would be because you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. You've not come to Him and accepted His payment on the cross that that gives you way, a place in His family, gives you a path into His presence. So this morning, your start to the new year, the best start you could have, would be to come to Jesus Christ by faith, right? A gift that He gives you, not not through your works, not through your attendance at church, not through anything you've done in your past, and not kept from you because of your past. You come to Him in faith, trusting in His payment on the cross for your sins that has kept you from Him. And now you have access into His presence. That's our prayer for you. That would be a great place to start. But if you are in Christ, then you, you have already come to Him. But maybe today you need to step back and take a look at where you are in your commitment to the growth process. Are you all in? Are you committed to the very thing which He committed to you? He has, if you are in Christ, He took hold of you that Paul talks about, then man, don't you want to take hold of all that you have in Christ? You should, because to experience true joy in Christ, you also need a passionate pursuit of all that we have in Christ. Say, well, isn't it enough that if I'm just saved, you know, I was saved when I was six, and man, I should have all the joy and that, That anyone could ever want. Well, you should. But did you know Christ fully then? Do you know Christ fully now? Are you experiencing sweet, continual, constant fellowship daily, minute by minute? No. But we want to pursue all that we have in Christ. Philippians 3, 13-14 says this, Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This picture of straining forward, of running for the prize is used by Paul in 1 Corinthians nine twenty-four and 25 as well. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? I think in track they still do that. I know it's not soccer and other things where every, all, the, all the kids get a, a you know, participation trophy, right? Um, but one wins, wins the prize. It's biblical, okay? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable so I used to run track in, in high school and, and enjoyed that and would win a, a medals here and there. And, and we, I built a frame with a little glass cover on it. They were so special to me. And I put those little medals in that beautiful little, little walnut case with the glass over it. And, and, you know, I knew exactly how many I had, too. Right. And, and you keep that count and then i graduated high school and went off to college and you know track was a distant thing and uh, and over time then we got married and i put those i kept that case i think for a, a little bit of time and at our first move though i think all those medals went in a box okay and the ca- case went somewhere else and and then that that little box went to a cabinet and sat there it actually went to the garage and and gathered dust Literally sawdust by the next time I found it. And so at one point, I'm like, this is just dumb. And I think it was our previous move or the, the one move into the house four years ago. I took a few of them that were, I guess, more special and put them in a bag, you know, one of those expensive baggies. Right. And and that those went in there. And now they're in a my top right hand drawer with the hammers and crowbars. OK. Why there? Because that was the closest drawer, all right? it got it out of the way. Those were perishable prizes. They really had very little value to them. Extremely little value to anyone else and very little value, honestly, to me, right? Why do I keep them? I don't know. Um, other than just for memory's sake, right? Um, but the reality is this. We know how people run when they are running to win that kind of prize. They work hard in preparation for it. They persist in, in spite of injury and difficulty and trial to win a little medal. For what? What good does it do? But he says we run for something more. We run for an imperishable prize, an imperishable reward. And he says, run. It is worth running for. If if that's worth running for, then let me tell you, friend, wherever you are in your race, it is worth running for. Even if you feel like you're running alone right now, it's worth running. Keep on. If you're running right now and you are particularly discouraged, keep running. Keep running. As you go into 2023, may it be that you run for the joy that is set before you. He, he continued on. Jesus Christ continued on. For the joy that was set before Him. And what did He do? He went through the cross. He went to the cross. For you and for me. Enduring the shame. For the joy that was set before Him. The struggle is real. But it is worth The reward, run that you may may obtain the imperishable reward. What exactly is that reward? Sometimes we think of these crowns that we you know that we talk about throwing at the feet of Jesus. Well, man, I I struggle with that. Okay, and and you're going to hear a little inside struggle that I have. I think we make too much of these crowns, physical crowns, because I think that we miss the point about heaven. If we think that the reward is anything other than a deeper, more joyous, more fulfilling reward of Jesus Christ himself. Friends, Jesus is the reward. Who wants some pavement fashioned in the form of a crown? If the streets are made of gold, what's a gold crown mean to me? My reward now and my reward then is Jesus Christ. It is Him in all His fullness, you see. Philippians 3, verse 8, Paul said, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. He knew that Jesus Christ was the reward. And as James Montgomery Boyce says, Paul wanted to know Jesus in the truest biblical sense personally and experientially, he wanted it to affect his day to day living. And he was running hard to see this become a reality. He wasn't re- resting on his religious pedigree or his accomplishments of the distant past, nor was he satisfied with his present place or pace in the race that God had given him to run. He was pursuing that which was priceless and eternally delightful. Why wouldn't he be all in? Why wouldn't he say, I want that and I'll do anything to get it? The goal is knowing Christ in a way that transforms my daily life. And what's the result of that transformation? Being made mature. Becoming more, if you will, perfect in that sense. Daily sanctification, growing in holy living, bearing spiritual fruit from abiding intimately with Jesus Christ that we read about in John 15. Remember, what did Jesus say after talking about abide in me and you'll bear much fruit? Why did he say he was telling them these things? Well, in John 15, 11, he says, these things I've spoken to you that you, my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. What was he talking? He was talking about abiding in him, of being intimately connected with Jesus Christ. And so what's the prize? It's knowing Christ fully for all eternity. John 17:3, a couple chapters later, says, and this is eternal life, that they know You, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom You've sent. And a few verses later in verse 24, He writes, Father, I desire that they also, whom You've given Me, may be with Me where I am, to see My glory that You have given Me because You have loved Me before the foundation of the world. See, heaven is about Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus now, then why do you want to go to heaven? If you're not pursuing Christ now, why is heaven of any attraction to you? Heaven is glorious because of God. This life finds its joy in God. And we're going to see that when others run otherwise, they become enemies of Christ. You see, Christ is the prize and Paul is all in. And he encourages us to do the same. If we were saved to know Christ eternally, then why would we wait for eternity to know him intimately in both knowledge and experience? Sometimes I can't read my own chicken scratch. I have all kinds of thoughts through a week that you write down. Good thought, but we'll move on. One thing I want to make clear, and I think Paul would be all in on this. This is not a try harder message. Can I say that again? Young people, this is really important that you get it because you can spend a life of misery just trying harder to be a better person, a better Christian, a more, more present church member. Know, know the Bible just a little more. And you just try so hard. And you, you try and you try and you try and you fail. Because it's not a try harder message. It is a delight more message. It is a delight in the wonder who is Jesus Christ. Delight in Him. He is to be your delight. And as you delight in him, I tell you what, when my wife cooks for me, I don't become more discouraged. I want to eat more of her cooking again. I delight in it, you see. And in this life, we struggle with that because there's nothing that we can delight in that brings us fullness of joy. It, It brings little tidbits of joy. Little little light rays of joy. And every tidbit, every light ray of joy is to be drawing us back to the source of joy. Why do I delight in food? Well, I should delight and in, in give glory to God in whatsoever I eat or drink because He is the giver of food. He is the giver of drink. He has given me the ability to enjoy those things and to need those things and to delight in them so that in turn I turn to Him and say He is the giver. And in Him, all goodness dwells. I delight in Him. That is what 2023 should be. I want to delight in Him more. Laura and I dated in college. Met her freshman year, my sophomore year. Couldn't wait. I couldn't let her get away, right? Had to snatch her up right away. We saw each other almost every day through the school year. And then, from South Carolina, she went home to Kentucky. I went back to Kansas and... Kids, I know this is shocking to you, but we didn't have cell phones, right? We didn't even have email. Shocking. You didn't know there was a time before that. We couldn't communicate every single day, but what we could do was we could write letters to each other. Yeah, through the written mail. You put a stamp on it and sent it through the mail. And I tell you, when I got those letters from her... I read them, but i didn 't just read them you know, okay, just another letter i' read it before you know I read it, and I would reread it, like, Oh, what does she mean here? and I would be interested in knowing her what what's she doing hows she responding to these things because it was her, she was revealing herself to me and and it when we couldn't we didn 't get to call each other very much because it was long distance. Sometimes on a cord, you know, we did have the phones with the long, you know, antenna that you could take off the base and maybe get into the next room without it, you know, losing signal. Wasn't very private, kids. Um, but we would communicate and maybe every week we'd get a phone call like that, right? Sometimes every couple of weeks in the summers, summer when she worked at camp. But you know what? I looked forward to that. When when we weren't together, I can't speak for her, but I I... Was thinking of her often. My mind would go back to what she wrote, back to her, to the to the picture that was in my wallet. You know, all, I I delighted in her. And the more I knew her, the more I delighted. But the, there is limits even to that in this life. We all know that because we are not fully worthy of being delighted in. Okay. Because we are sinners, we are broken, we are, we, we fail, we have weaknesses. But in Christ, He says, He is holy, 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 He is completely and fully transcendent above all things, and we can't begin to delight enough in Him. And so as we go into 2023, let us come into His presence and find joy. Let us delight in Him and do those things, run after those things which encourage our appetite, which encourage our delight, and run from those things which, which actually distract us and discourage us and, and make us forget about the, the, the great delight that we can have in Christ. We tend to delight ourselves in so many things that our appetites are deadened for what truly is delightful. But that's not all. To experience this true joy in Christ, Paul calls us all to a mature mindset towards life in Christ. Verses 15 through 17, he says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. What way? The way that he's just been describing. This pressing on, this straining forward, this, this. I want to know Christ and the fellowship of his sufferings above everything. That mature thinking. And if you think other, and, in, and if, any, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, just a minute, I want to address something here because he brings up this word mature again. I thought Paul just said he wasn't, he wasn't mature. And if he's not mature, then really who is? Okay? Well, it's the same basic word, but it's being used in a different, a little bit different way here. It's not being used in as broad of a way. The first time he uses it, he's talking about the wholeness of who he is. He is not in full knowledge nor reflection of Jesus Christ. But here he's talking about a mindset, a way of thinking. Those who have this mature way of thinking about life. And in that, he says, yeah, think like this. And he he is so emphatic in it that he notes that there are a couple of incredible aids to growing in this mature, Christ-pursuing mindset. First of all, it's God, the Holy Spirit. He said, if you don't think in this way, this persistent upward call of Jesus Christ kind of way, then God will reveal that to you also. Paul doesn't say, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna check it on you. I'm gonna be looking over your shoulder. I'm gonna make sure you do. Paul says, God will reveal that to you. You see, Paul believed very strongly in the work of the Holy Spirit. I don't have to be the Holy Spirit. I can't be. I can't be the Holy Spirit in my wife's life, in the kids' life, in your life All I can do is point to Christ, point to His Word, and pray that the Holy Spirit will work in all of our lives. Right? And the beautiful thing is this. Paul was confident that God would. It wasn't a matter of, well, I hope and pray that God will reveal that to you. He was confident. He's like, if the Holy Spirit will do that in my life, why wouldn't I think that He would do it in the life of other believers? If that is the very thing for which Christ saved me, that I might mature in Christ's likeness and to know Him fully, then obviously the Holy Spirit's going to do that. That's what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. So he had a confidence in that, but he also had a beautiful confidence in the body of Christ, in those who walked in maturity, those who had this persistent moving forward kind of mindset. And he said, look to those. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. The fact of the matter is this. We can all learn something from one another. As believers, we have the Spirit of God indwelling us. And there is something that each of you, each of us contribute to this body of Christ. That's why. There's no room in the body of Christ for those who just show up and leave. I say there's there's not room. What I mean by that is, man, you're welcome. But that's not what he designed you for. He designed, he put you in the body of Christ so that you can rub shoulders. Live life with other believers and benefit from being around them. Right? You know believers in this place who encourage you through their patience, encourage you through their humble service, who encourage you through their words of encouragement, who are, man, such examples, such examples of persevering in the midst of trial, who have such joy in the midst of pain, who have such wisdom in practical matters. And friends, we need to be around one another. And you're like, I don't really know what I have to offer. Man, I tell you what, the, it, when, when you have been with someone who has just been faithful and you get to be by their bedside in a time of difficulty and you see and hear from them just this sweet confidence in Christ, they didn't do anything that the world would point to as amazing, but oh, how they encourage our hearts. Friend, you are an important part of the body of Christ and we desperately need you and we need one another. And the more that you can put yourself in contact with those who are growing in maturity, the more full of joy you'll be as you see that trans- being imitated in your own life. Paul loved this kind of talk. In 1 Corinthians 11, one, he said, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. See, Paul knew that it wasn't just enough for him to say stuff to people. It wasn't just enough for him to send them a book or to write them an email. He wanted them to know that what he had given them was visibly evident in his life. He said that in Philippians 4.9, the very next chapter from what we're studying. He says, what you have learned and received and heard... That's not all he says. He's got a fourth one. And seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. We desperately need one another and God has graciously given us to one another. A way in which we can pursue the joy in Christ of knowing and fellowship with Christ in 2023 is committing more fully into ways in which we can run after fellowship with one another. What's your plan? And as much as Paul encouraged the Philippians to imitate the walk of the faithful believers, he had a grave warning as well. We see in verses 18 and 19, he says, For many, of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Let's pause there. What was the purpose of the cross? To redeem us from our sin. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness to make us a holy people set apart unto the lord instead their end is destruction their god is in their belly and they glory in their shame with their minds set on earthly things we should take a grave warning from those who have walked away and inasmuch as we look into our own hearts on this first day of 2023 we should ask the question am i being tempted to run away to follow after other appetites. Why would I do that? Why would I want something else when I have the best? Because we are easily deceived. We are discouraged in our walk. And because of that, we think, well, this ain't working. This ain't everything I thought it would be. And so we begin to chase after some other things. We let other other little appetizers into our lives. And we sample those and go, oh, this isn't so bad. I didn't die from this. Nobody was hurt by my behavior, by my sin. It's, God didn't strike me down. Oh, friend, don't be deceived. Little by little, we wander away to our own demise. And he warns us because he doesn't he wants us to follow the example of those who are faithful and to be warned by those who walk as enemies of the cross because, as Proverbs thirteen twenty says, he who walks with wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Why would I ever go for something else than the best? Only if I'm a fool would I say, no, I don't, I don't want that. When we are not pressing forward to know Christ, we will pursue something. And we will pursue those things which taste good to our our flesh, if you will, that are attractive to us. And the world is full of attractive stuff, right? The pleasures of sin that last only for a season. And yet, these things that have, that appear good to us, the end thereof is death. Much like Paul's warning, John wrote in 1 John 2:15 through 17 Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God will abide forever. You see, if you're a believer and you're living for the appetites of the flesh, Paul would argue that you're basically living in denial of the citizenship you claim. You say you're living for that, for Christ, but really, all evidence points to you're living for this. You're walking as an enemy of the cross. The cross purchased for you eternal heaven. But you only want to spend your life for this that is passing away. Psalm 16, 4-6 gives us a picture of that. The sorrows of those who who run after another God will multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. Instead, David says, the Lord is my portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. If I know I have a beautiful inheritance, why would I chase another? The man or woman who is in Christ has a citizenship, a savior, and a powerful hope to live for. We're hungry for eternal transformation to put off once and for all this temptation for our earthly appetites. Don't you look forward to that day? When no more will this stuff tempt you, when only and always you have before you Christ in all his glory, and nothing else even like remotely tempts you, Whew. as Paul writes in. Philippians 3, 20 and 21, he says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. You see, to experience true fullness of joy in Christ, we need a powerful expectation of Christ's return. We need to be looking forward to that. We spend so much time and thought on today. And tomorrow, but not about eternity. One of the most discouraging aspects of life is just how daily and distracting it is, right? You get up and put the day on repeat with a few more disappointments added in, it seems like, every day, right? It's just tiring. And kids, again, to you, it only gets worse the older you get. You get tired faster and you have seen so much of this in your life, you might even get cynical and begin to go, what's it worth it? I have just seen it all, you know. You know what? You haven't seen it all because you haven't seen this yet. But we look forward to the day when we do behold Jesus Christ face to face. It is easy to be disappointed. The things we look forward to are often underwhelming. Maybe just a flat-out bust, and almost always too short-lived. Christmas was great, right? But even for the students that got extra long breaks, it's coming to an end. And you got to go back to school, right? Some of us have to go back to work. It's, it's, it's limited. Our, even our ideal of things like marriage, man, that blew up before we got home from our, our honeymoon, maybe. The idea of having a family, we realize now, man, that's hard. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of frustration. Food and money and pleasure are just like a hamster wheel of pursuit without satisfaction. The experiences we pursue after the, to get some pleasure in the day-to-day, they leave us disappointed and discouraged and maybe a little broke. In Philippians 1, Paul expressed this hope so well that his hope for the Philippians and his hope for himself rested in Christ. Philippians one six, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ's return. And when we live each day in pursuit of knowing and reflecting Jesus with that kind of confidence that he'll finish what he started, we can have joy, even in the midst of our failure. Because we're like, yep, I know, I did, I failed, Lord, forgive me. I come to you, I confess my sin. This is not worthy of the calling I've received. And it is not what I want to delight in. Lord, I want you and I want more of you today. Give me more of you. And we can know without a doubt that in the fullness of time, we will have all of Him. It helps us keep perspective on life today and on life eternal. Philippians 1, 21 and 22. Paul put it this way. For me to live as Christ... There's there's joy here. Joy in Christ. He's rejoicing in the Lord. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Paul wasn't the only one with this perspective. You know, we quoted David a little bit ago in Psalm 16. A few verses later in Psalm 16, verse 11, he says this, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence... There is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In God's presence both now and all of eternity, there is there is a fullness of joy and pleasure in Christ. won for us by Christ and made complete at his return. And so what does Paul conclude at the end of all this? I'm not sure why in this little book that they chose to put a chapter break before verse 1 of chapter 4. It is like the conclusion of what he just wrote. Why would you not break it there? But that's another story for another time. I'm no Greek scholar. It says, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord. How do I stand firm? Thus. That's helpful. Well, we need, in the end, to experience that fullness of joy we need to stand firm in the way that he's already described. It is a renewed commitment to stand firm together in Christ. Did you did you see that in that passage? It wasn't written to just individuals alone. It was individuals written in the context of the body, right? And he reiterates that back a few, towards the beginning of the book in Philippians one twenty-seven and 28. He says, Only first... Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. This whole book was written to the church in Philippi. And it was written not just to individuals to be independent Christians. It was written to the body of Christ and he begins back in chapter 1 and he brings it here in his conclusion again that we are to stand firm. And how do we stand firm? Thus. What does that mean? It means that we press on in Christ. We strain forward for Christ. We look to others pressing on for Christ. And we imitate their example and we look forward to the coming of Christ together. And we do so more and more. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, but coming together and saying, Man, I need this reminder. Yes, the world is a mess. Yes, our government's a mess. Yes, our health is struggling. Yes, I'm discouraged. But oh, friend, come together. Let us assemble together in this year to come. And encourage one another and so much the more as we look forward to the day when He returns and transforms our earthly bodies to be like His glorious body where we'll know no more pain, we'll see no more corruption, we'll experience no more temptation, but we'll forever be in the presence of the Lord experiencing pleasure in Him and fullness of delight and joy forevermore. Friends, that's the call. Don't settle for some cheap, I'm just going to read through my Bible in a year. Don't settle for any of those, sure, read through your Bible, that's fine. But that is not the goal. The goal is to know Christ and the fullness of fellowship with Him. So in conclusion, Paul's conclusion was so good. Stand firm in this way. Press on. Strain forward. Follow the example of mature believers and look forward to Christ's return and don't let anything discourage, deceive, or distract you. Let's pray. Gracious Father, as we close, we say that we ask that you would be lifted up in our presence through your word. May we see you anew. May we delight in you more fully. May you give us, even in these moments together, just a taste of joy. And may as we assemble, whether it is in a work project, in an ABF, a small group, youth group, a Sunday school class, may we offer hope and joy in Jesus. May we give examples of pursuing on, And may you build up your church as we hope in the day of your return. And we pray it in Jesus' most precious and most holy name. Our victory and our reward. Amen.